let's get to the matter at hand, Reggie Ponder. The box office. Uh, we are in the middle of uh, the, the summer season. Uh, we don't have, oddly enough, a new like superhero movie right now to, to cling on to. But in some people's uh, imagination, I guess Woody and Buzz Lightyear count as superheroes. Yeah, so, so when we look at the box office, uh, oh, well, they are superheroes. And actually, in this movie... Woody is a real superhero. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's so funny that you would even say that because I wasn't even thinking of it in, in, in that regard. But their job as superheroes is to protect their child. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is all about. How do we make sure that the children that we that we are entrusted to has the best life, develops the best way, and that we are there for them from as a support system? And they do some superheroic type of things hey, in this film. They're like that, the Avengers. That, that <laughs> I, I was actually impressed because I'm like, four? Really? Do I need another one? I'm like, when we got Lethal Weapon 4, I knew it was time. I mean, I'm like, come on. Yeah, yeah. But Toy Story 4, okay. The whole gang is back. They got some new voices. This one actually worked. So we get $121 million at the box office. And that is just domestically. And it crushes anything that was even close. So, uh this tells you a couple of things. Uh, you're right. We don't have that traditional superhero movie out, uh, out there competing with, with something like this. It, but it also tells you that some adults probably went on their own. They probably didn't tell anybody. <laughs> they probably like, uh, hey, honey, you, 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 you want to go to Toy Story 4? Don't tell and, the kids. And, and, and they probably <laughs> actually looked around to see who was watching when they purchased the tickets. You know, two like, for story, Toy Story. Yeah, that's right. Two, <laughs> two, <laughs> two for Toy Story Four. So I think it tells you some some adults went on their own. I think it also tells you that some adults were dragged to it. But <laughs> I, I think it also tells you that the word of mouth for this was good because if it wasn't, it wouldn't have done so well at the box office. So then when you look uh, today, now that was last week. Today we're almost at 170 million dollars domestically. And then internationally, it's done another $124 million. And one of the things that I do is I always want to look to see how many international markets has this been in. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't even hit all the international markets. It's oh. probably like 10 international markets. So they're waiting on some big markets. I'm looking here now, and Japan is not here. Um, I, I see the United Kingdom. But but anyway, the, 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 the real deal is, is that this is going to do very well for them. Here's the issue. Mm. How much did this one cost to make? I don't know. You see that they didn't tell us how much it cost mm. to make. So we really can't determine whether this is a, a financial success because if Tom Hanks is in it, they probably paid him $100 million. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tom's like... Tom Hanks. That's scale for Tom Hanks. Right, right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's probably scale. Uh, anyway, it, it'll be very interesting to see if we can get a, a, a sense for that. Um, and it did really well at the box office. So so good for, for it. It'll probably be number one at the box office again this weekend. Number two at the box office is Child's Play. That's a different kind of Toy Story. Girl, <laughs> that is a different type of Toy Story. And in fact, makes you say, let's get rid of all mm -hmm, the toys. Mm -hmm. I, you know, was a, a kid in the 80s when the first toy or Child's Play movies came out. And I remember going to a slumber party. 
and we watched it. Like the mom was like in the kitchen or whatever. We're like, let's watch Child's Play. That was the worst idea anybody in my class had ever had. Why did we watch that and then try to go to bed? Girl, <laughs> I, I know nobody went to sleep. Nobody because, went to sleep. Because there was somebody in your group that thought it was a little bit funny. Yeah. And they would touch you just a little bit mm-hmm. to make you jump and be like, what was that? And 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 the whole night was like, I cannot go yeah. to sleep. Plus, so, every kid had either the, the my buddy or the kid sister. And they were just sitting there in your room staring at you with those little evil eyes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and they would. Yeah, I had to take my glasses off for that. Because what would they do? They do something like this. Oh, yeah. They're just staring with the unblinking unflinching ooh, so scary so i don't i I didn't know until very recently that there was going to be a new child's play on the scene i was like what is the this reboot bringing to the table that the the old one did not i just i just really think that we are lacking in such imagination these days that everything has to come back Mm -hmm. if we look at the top 10 on the list which i'm gonna go through number one is toy story uh uh, you know, obviously a sequel. Number two is Child's Play. Uh, we, it's been done, and we're doing it again. Number three is Aladdin. Ah, yeah, we 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 we're doing it again. Number four is Men in Black. Ah, we're doing it again. <laughs> Number five is uh, The Secret Life of Pets. Two, we're doing it again. The only thing we're not doing it again, and, and we like to do it again because the music was so so spectacular, is Rocket Man. Yeah, which which uh, comes in at number six, but. Number seven is John Wick, Chapter 3. We're doing it again. Number eight is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We're doing it again. And have been for decades. <laughs> and then number nine is Anna. We're, uh, we, we've seen that. We have seen that. And, and then number 10 is Dark Phoenix. Uh, maybe we're not doing but that But it's still one. an X-Men it's still, movie. It's yeah. still X- so you, we really don't have any variety in what we're showing and I think that that is why I'm actually a good segue to my next point about the box office is this summer sucks yeah in 2018 the summer we were up 9.2 percent over 2017 Mm -hmm. right now we're 63 percent below 2018 people are just you know, with all the streaming and all the the choices that people have for entertainment, and that paired with what, like you said, all of this repeater action at the the theater, yeah, I wouldn't spend thirty dollars right now to, to go to the to movies. see to see all all the kind of things that you you've seen. Yeah, this year the the movie in the summer that that um has grossed the most for the summer so far has been Aladdin, and it's coming close to 300 million dollars but last year during the summer Mm. the movie that grossed the most Mm -hmm. was incredibles 2 and it grossed over 600 million dollars so uh this this is just not a a good year uh for the movies and uh, i don't even know uh what else to talk about as it relates to the box office because i can see you saying oh reggie we have to do uh, uh take a short break for for com- why do we have commercials so that the lights stay on oh okay yeah maybe maybe we should do that no talk but to me about so that, that's what the, i got for the, the box office fight for show. diversity within your piece of hollywood so so you know when uh um two three or four years ago when they were talking about hollywood so white um they were really talking about actors and actresses and uh, producers and directors and Mm -hmm. and grip people 
But what they weren't talking about uh, were the people who cover Hollywood. And so um, I, I would always say is that, that that's been an issue as a film critic of, of color. I already know that they don't, that the industry doesn't do a good job of, of having diverse voices and diverse talent out there. Uh, every year we see these different reports that come out, and I think that uh, one report came out that said that women comprise 52% of the box office going public, mm -hmm. but yet are only 13% of the critics yeah. that, that are out there. When you go to a screening, Reggie, do you, it, it, in just like a, a, a micro uh, room of this whole community, is is that a problem that you notice as well? A a absolutely. So so when I, when I see... Yes, and it and it and it's so disturbing to me because before we even get to talk about race, come on, seriously, yeah. is that that you're going to tell me that 52 percent of the audience always has to listen for, for the most part to men talk about this? They also uh, showed that it was over 80 percent white males mm. and i see that here in chicago as well do i have a problem with my white male friends who are critics heck no i i'm, I'm very happy for them and in fact we we had we i thought matt was coming in today you know um th so that's not my issue my issue is just inclusion yeah it's not 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 pushing somebody out of out of what they're doing Ooh. let's let's get some more people in so anyway the critics groups banded together to redefine who covers Hollywood. And when I say the critics group, there we had uh, LGBT, uh, LGBTQ groups that came together. Uh, uh, the director of uh, Gallica, uh, the, which is the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics. And he said, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot more headlines about inclusion and diversity that, that is than what is still reality for journalists and critics, which is still a bastion for straight white men. Mm. And, it, and, it, and it really is. We had... Um, the head of the organization that I'm uh, in, um, the African American Film Critics Association, uh, he's he's in there working hard as well to make sure that there are um, uh, diverse people representing mm -hmm. or represented, you know, in 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 this industry. And they said that the goals include pushing for better pay and inclusive rep representation at media outlets, strengthening relationships with studios, networks, and public relations firms, and nurturing the next generation of voices. And we really, that last one is so important, mm. that, that next generation of voices, how do we nurture those that next generation and have them out there? I am really excited that all these people came out to talk. Uh, uh, actress Brie Larson was one of them, and she really highlighted the problem last year um, at a women's and film gala in which she advocated for inclusion among critics. And m many of those major film festivals, including Sundance, Toronto, uh, 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 Southwest, uh, SXSW. Southwest, Southwest. Right, I always say that one, I always say that one uh, uh, wrong. Anyway, all those film festivals, I, I haven't been to any of those film festivals. I, I'm not invited to some of these junkets, and, all, and and that's okay. But then I look at some of my counterparts, they're not invited as well. So I'm really uh, uh, excited that these groups have come together to at least to begin to discuss the having more inclusion in the industry and actually um, uh, opening up access to different people in the industry as well. So well, thank you that's for, my critic for a minute. for highlighting that. And I hope that this effort... <clears throat> Uh, is not in vain. I uh, I would love to hear some more diver diverse voices in Hollywood. One person who is like a one person 
diversity enhancement machine is Ava DuVernay. Oh. Uh, when they see us currently sitting atop the Netflix most streamed daily list of all time. And that's great. People are showing it in schools, uh, libraries, all sorts of places. But there's some things that uh, it, you shouldn't just stop at when they see us. Yeah. So so I was watching uh, something on um, uh, CNN, and they actually had one of the black um, officers who arrested two of the young gentlemen. And he was saying that, you know, Ava DuVernay's portrayal was just complete fabrication. And he said mm-hmm. a whole lot of other things. What it's what it sparked in me is that you know what maybe I need to look at some other things maybe I need to read some other stuff because I, I, to just support some of the things that we saw on, on when they see us there's a great documentary called the Central Park Five which is done by Ken Burns and Sarah Burns and David McK- Mc, Mc, McMahon uh, Mc, McMahon I think it is. Um, and it's two, two, two hours long, and it really dives deep into this, and it's something that you should check out, the Central, the Central Park of Five. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, a thing, a book called uh, From the Victim, uh, one of the, uh, the victim of the attack, Trisha um, Melly. That sounds right. Um, uh, and it's called I Am the Central Park Jogger, A Story of Hope and Possibility. So, so it's I Am the Central Park Jogger. So uh, I, I'd be... Man, I, that that seems like that'll be a tough read intense, from yeah. from from her perspective. There's also this thing from uh, Natalie Byfield's. Uh, she had this book. It's uh, Savage Portrayals: Race, Media, and the Central Park Jogger Story. And what she did as a as a young as a black female reporter, she really uh, who was covering that. She went back and talked about the way in which uh, it was portrayed: race, media, and the Central Park Jogger Story. How it was portrayed. So there are a number of things to to see. I could talk about a number of them. Obviously, uh, one of those books would be The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. Mm. This, I believe, is really a must-read for for everybody, and a lot of people might not see how it ties to this exactly, but after seeing the story, you'll really understand that. So those are some of those, and I would just encourage people that uh, don't stop there. If, if this really outrages you, go and read some, some or look at some other things. Oprah had an interview as well with them that you might want to watch as well. So uh, that would be that. We're talking films, and let's get into a review of uh, another music movie. We've had Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, we've yeah. had Rocket yeah, Man. Yeah. And now this isn't, necess- this isn't a biopic of the Beatles. In fact, only one person in the whole movie knows who the Beatles are. Let's talk about Yesterday. So uh, Yesterday is... Uh, it, it, it's really interesting. Um, something happens, and and the whole world forgets about the Beatles. You know what? Probably Thanos. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> right, right. It's, it was probably Thanos. It is so good that you're able to connect these because it is probably the alternative universe, yeah. you know, alternative uh, universe. Weird timeline. Enemy, uh, Hamish Patel plays this this struggling uh, musician. He's playing little places with kid like four kids in the room and uh he got his friends he's playing these bars and he is just struggling he he writes a a song i think it's called the summer song or whatever Mm -hmm. and nobody the only people who like it are his two friends i mean there's just (laughs) nothing about him that says that this guy is going to be a star one day um he Pick, uh, his, oh, his friend gives him a new guitar, and he says, oh, a guitar like this is worthy of a really good song, and he sings Yesterday. Yeah. When he sings it, they are like, 
oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I've never heard. When did you write that? And he's like, John Paul Ringo? <laughs> I mean, the Beatles? Yeah. And none of them know. So he goes home, he looks on the computer, he, and he puts in the Beatles and Google the no Beatles. I mean, it, it's hilarious. Just, just the premise of it, that people would forget the Beatles. I was like, can't wait to see this. Yeah. So what's the like about this is they do some really funny things in this movie. One, one of the things is like um, when he goes to Google and he's looking up, um, excuse me, and he's looking up the Beatles and he can't find them. Another thing is Ed Sheeran is in this movie and it is so funny. They have a they have a song off where they whoever can write the best song in ten minutes or something like that. And and him and Ed Sheeran, it, the chemistry in that is really good. And and what's also like is this: there's a love story between uh, between him and, and Lily James uh, in in this film. The music is going to carry a film like this anyway. Because if you play any of the Beatles music, you're going to be singing along. Right now, I'm already, I mean, you know, Sgt. Pepper's. I'm stuck or, in a loop of the na-na's at the uh, end of uh, Hey Jude. Not, right, right. <laughs> hey Jude. I mean, Hey Dude. Uh, you saw that in the, in the, in the clip. So, so, that, so the music is good. The, uh, this guy sings all the stuff live, by the way. Good for him. And, and one of the other funny things that happens is that he's trying to think of, since, since, there, since there's no record of the Beatles, he can't go online and find the songs. He has to remember those songs himself. Mm -hmm. So he can't remember Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Clubs, man. He can't remember the lyrics. So he's doing these crazy things <laughs> trying to figure out. I mean, he and he's messing up the lyrics and everything. It takes him a long time to, to come up with it. But so some really funny things in here. And then they have this love story that's there. I thought I was going to absolutely love this because those are the things to like about the film yeah but i think that the love story and the story about the music kind of competed against each other in a way oh. and it didn't it didn't make me walk away from this movie uh as saying that it's an instant classic there were some things in this film for me jill that made me think of uh, notting hill okay yeah. uh there's this one character that's the quirk that reminds me of the quirky character that uh uh, Hugh Grant had as his roommate in 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 that in that movie. There's some other things there that remind me of that, but it doesn't it doesn't rise to the level of the of a great romance. Mm. It for for me. So so I I think they were trying to do two things and they really couldn't meld them together in a way that made this outstanding. Now having said that, if you like the Beatles, if you like a love story. And if you like some quirky characters, this is a good movie. It 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 really is. It's it just I just was let let down, if if you will. So I'm giving this a solid three. I liked okay. it. I think the people who uh, like the Beatles will enjoy it. But if but but you might walk away a little bit disappointed because some some of the the, the two stories for me again were competing. Mm -hmm. three, so three reels for yesterday. I, I'm saying see yesterday tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> thank you so much, Reggie Ponder, and we will see you next week. You can find him at the Real Critic on Twitter and Instagram, and at Reggie the Real Critic on Facebook. Thank you so so much. You're the best. Thanks.